The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to the Angel Tarot Show with best-selling author and Angel Tarot expert, Radley Valentine. Plan your week ahead with gentle guidance from your angels, combined with the wisdom of Tarot, and create the magical life you deserve. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Angel Tarot Show. I'm your host, Radley Valentine. Now, this week we have something a little different, a little special, I think. Now, I'm on podcasts hosted by other people all the time interviewed all the time. And usually it's a lovely experience. Usually it's very pleasant. Sometimes it's just really great. But other times it's amazing. Other times it's special. I was recently on Anna Grace Taylor's podcast, Love and a Cup of Tea. And it was really something quite extraordinary. Now, I've known Anna Grace Taylor for a very long time. We've been on a similar path. We had the same teachers, and we're on the same quest for a connection with the angelic realm. So it's no surprise that it's easy for us to communicate, easy for us to talk about things that actually really matter. And so when I stopped by to be on her podcast, I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen. Frankly, I have no idea what Anna even had in mind. She just hit record, and we started to talk. And it was special. It was different. It was poignant. We didn't dilly-dally around with things that were light and unimportant. We went right into the stuff that matters. I walked away thinking, this is unusual. I'm really proud of it, and I want to share it. So here now is my guest appearance on Anna Grace Taylor's Love and a Cup of Tea. I hope you'll like it as much as I do. In this week's episode, my guest is Radley Valentine, Hay House author, spiritual teacher, and fellow angel communicator. I've known Radley for such a long time, and it was wonderful to have this conversation, especially because he shared some things he's never talked about publicly, including his first angel experience as a child, what he's learned from his challenges, and the work we can do to notice and heal our own triggers. Also, what can impact our claircognizance, our inner knowing, the moment he heard the voice of his guardian angel, why he loves using and creating tarot and oracle cards, and the powerful ways we can use them to connect with the angels. He also talked about his new angels and auras oracle cards and shares a card for us. I hope you enjoy today's conversation and that it gives you more confidence to connect to the angels in your own way. Thank you so much for joining me, Radley. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Hey, hey, so glad to be here. 
Oh, yeah, I was just I was just saying to you before we went live that it's been a while since we've spoken. So I feel like this is going to be a good catch up for both of us. Yay. (laughs) It is. It is. And we've known each other a long time. I was thinking back to this. 47 years. 47. (laughs) 47 years. You knew me in another lifetime. Um, But a long time ago when both of us took similar angel classes before you had all these decks out and before you know you and I were sharing on social media and doing all the things that we do now but I'll talk to you about that in a moment but take us back a little bit to little Rad did he always have angel experiences what was his background like you know what did he learn about the angels back then I my first memory of an angel experience was when I was five, oh. and, and I think I long perceived it as a psychic experience, but I didn't necessarily think of it as an angel experience until kind of later when I was like starting to really get into angels and I started talking to my angels and started real and so at some point I was kind of like wait a minute, I know that voice. I've heard that voice before, mm-hmm. you know, and to, to go back to, oh, wait, when I was five years old, oh, got it. Put I just put the pieces together. Got it. But I was always an intuitive little kid. I always knew who was on the phone. I always knew who was lying. You know, I always knew who I could trust and who I couldn't. Um, still do, you know, and I was just lucky to have a parent, a mom who was supportive of that and didn't poo-poo it and didn't ignore it and and gave it validity because so many kids' parents don't. I think that's part of the reason why we shut down a lot of the time, isn't it? I think it is the reason we shut down. But I also think that it's also not true that in my experience that even with my mom, who was progressive in many ways, she wasn't like going, oh, let's practice this or, oh, let's learn more about it or anything like that. I mean, she was the administrative assistant to the bishop of the United Methodist Church. So it, there was a lot of religion floating around. Yeah, And so it was just sort of like, oh, that happens, but no investigation. And so me as a kid, there was no investigation. There was a lot of escapism, I think, for me as a kid, uh, because I was the little gay kid and I got outed really young and was super unpopular. And so I can't imagine uh, that, Radley, because you're so sweet and lovable. But (laughs) Well, I could make an argument that I am so sweet because that happened maybe yeah sure I I think so and as well yeah maybe yeah those of us who are different whether that's our bodies our sexuality our spirituality whatever maybe yeah maybe we want to be extra loving to show that we're good people or whatever it might be I'm already loving this conversation already I've never had a conversation like this online with somebody before but, you know, it's, I think it's a dual thing. I, I do think that maybe we get real sweet and real loving and real people pleasers because we are just trying to stay out of harm's way. 
Yeah. And we're trying to get validated. Yes. We're trying to get validated and go, I'm not broken. I'm not stupid. I'm not wrong. But I also think that the counterpoint to that is that maybe the older we get, that because of those experiences, we have this whole sense of an awareness of how other people might be feeling, a sensitivity to how they might be feeling, a, oh, I shouldn't say that because that might unnecessarily hurt somebody's feelings, or I maybe I shouldn't judge that because I don't know what it's like to be them. And I'm so aware that so many people don't know what it's like to be me. I agree. And I also feel that this is where that whole, um, you know, human being experience that we have versus perhaps the experience that our soul chose. Maybe there's a bit of an overlap there because sometimes I think, well, has the experience I've had shaped me or did I have those experiences and then have the empathy because of those experiences anyway? And sometimes as much as I find being me can be quite challenging, I'm not sure that I would change that if I knew that I couldn't be the kind empathic person that I am. So it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think it is. And and I think that Maybe both are true. You know, I I think that for me that both were true. I think it's possible for me that both still are true. Yeah. Um, I I, I don't, being of a certain age, I I don't know if I'm like necessarily seeking out validation as much as I would have as a kid. But I definitely think that I have just come to this place both from the standpoint as an intuitive but also really Anna because you know just to be honest it's like a kid growing up gay with an abusive father it's like I had a lot of therapy therapy is a magical wonderful thing for me I wish it didn't have the stigma there's that stigma that it can have it's it's an, an amazing empowerment tool but it also really gives you a basic baseline understanding about how people's minds work. And so you can therefore be a better human being because you might not judge that thing. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like a twofold experience, isn't it? Because as you learn about yourself, you're also learning about the other people that you experience life with. And, you know, I'm sure being abused as a child is, you know, probably one of the worst things you can go through. And yet you learn so much through therapy and through exploration of that, not to say you would ever condone that at all. But we all have similar kinds of moments in our lives where we look at that and go, what the heck? (laughs) What was that for? And then actually can go, oh, I can understand myself a bit more. Um, through that yeah I I think I think so and it's it's just it's it's circular and it's like you know there's a dichotomy to it and I just I you know my, my mom one of the things that I was really lucky about I think too about my mom was that she was really very non-judgmental I mean she just wasn't I mean we weren't you know allowed to really like judge 
you know, we, we, that was kind of like squashed a lot. And I think it's one of my favorite things that I got from her is that it's like, people can say to me, whatever people can say to me, some of the most shocking things. And as you know, um, as readers, people say some of the most shocking things. They do. They do. And I'm just really non-phased by it. I just. I really... know that that's one of the things that, you know, especially years ago when you and I kind of first knew each other and we would send emails back and forward. And I remember a particular couple of years in my life that were really challenging after an experience I had. And I remember you say, you know, one, you were always very supportive of me, but you never told me that I shouldn't feel a certain way or that I shouldn't feel that way. You always encouraged me to perhaps take care of myself or think of something in a different way, but you never told me to, um, you know, get over it or move on to the next thing. And I think that is a really invaluable part of friendship. And also, as you say, even as a intuitive and therapist you know we'll hear it all won't we we will and and I think telling people not to feel a certain way is really almost a waste of breath mm-hmm. I mean I, I think that there's a, a better use of our energy to say well can you get you know to help people go well why do you feel that way Yes. What's being triggered in this moment that you're feeling that way? Um, sometimes I'll use logic, but uh, that doesn't always work with feelings. I and we can know something, can't we, intellectually? But actually, in the moment when we're feeling really overwhelmed or stressed or heartbroken, we need that space to be able to actually feel it, to then look and say, okay, now what do I do about it? I I think another gift that I got from therapy anyway, is the power and empowerment that comes from introspection. Because, you know, it's like, there's this show that I'm totally obsessed with right now. I think I've watched every episode, I don't know, 84 times. What is it? Oh, it's called Heartstopper. But the thing about it is that I was watching it yesterday and I watched it and I was happy. And as soon as I stopped watching it, I was unhappy. And so uh, several hours went by and I went back to watching it and I was happy. And then I stopped watching it and I was unhappy. And I was like, for me, the whole question was, what is what is going on here? Something is triggering me. Something is giving me joy when I am experiencing it. And something is taking and somewhere the joy is lost when I'm not watching it. And so what is the loss? Somewhere in there is, what am I trying to heal? Can I heal it? Or am I just looking for some way to be comfortable with the wound or the loss? Mm. And I think these are questions that most people don't ask themselves. And Mm. I think that if people did ask themselves, their lives would be better, that they would have this amazing opportunity to be able to go to fix it. So they don't walk around in a state of unconscious uncomfortableness. That is perfectly said, because so many 
of us and I'll include myself because I'm certainly not perfect all the time you know we can say that we want to feel better and we can say that I wish this was different but actually we're not really doing anything to move past it I agree so I could talk to you about this for a long time but coming back to the angels was there a particular moment then maybe even around the time we met where things came back full circle from being a child who had these experiences to finding yourself in an angel class meeting me and other people was there a particular moment that changed things for you there were a couple I mean when I was in my mid to late 20s I had my first what I'm going to call big angel experience it was where um, my primary guardian angel, whose name is Joshua, I've never been secretive about that, really introduced himself. And that, to me, was super powerful, important. You know, the I talked about when I was five and hearing this voice, I'm not, I don't consider myself to be clear audience. That's not my thing. I'm clear cognizant. But my experience of life is that in times of great need or concern or despair or sorrow or whatever, the brain doesn't work very well. And so, or at least mine doesn't. And so clear cognizance maybe doesn't work so well. This is where we feel our fear is the brain. And so it, so if the brain is awash in fearful chemicals oh, yeah. <laughs> or thoughts or both, you know, we're not really like getting messages. And so for me, that is manifested in a an, in sudden temporary bursts of intense clear audience. I remember when I broke up with my first boyfriend, I was 19 years old or something ridiculous. And I thought I was going to die. I literally thought this is the end of me. (laughs) This is the end of me. And I remember it's just a quirky story, but I remember being outside. It was dark outside. I was in deep sorrow. I didn't want to cry in front of my family. I was still living at home. I was literally had my face down on the hood of my mother's car crying my eyes out. And I heard, literally heard, you are not going to be alone. And literally it was like the tears just stopped. It's just like, I, it just stopped. And I stood up and I was like, okay. And I didn't, I didn't question it. I didn't try to analyze it. I didn't try to nothing it. I just was like, something happened. And I think maybe in that moment, I was like, well, that's the voice of God. And maybe it was, but it was powerful. And so if then if you fast forward like six, seven years, you know, I'm really into angels, but I'm not having tons of experiential things happen until Joshua just and I had our interaction and he said, my name is Joshua. And I heard it. You heard his voice. Literally heard it. To the point that it flipped me out that I left my house because I was so flipped out. But <laughs> the the thing about it, I think, though, is that, that that voice was the same as the voice on the hood of the car. It was the same as the voice as five. So I attribute it to Josh. But 
our guardian angels are connected to the divine directly yeah. you know the, it, 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 you know it's like i could use my corporate background and say that guardian angels are a subsidiary of god inc yes you know and in fact i should remember i just said that that is a very good that is a very good way of describing it actually sh- i'm going to write down god inc okay yeah. you know the thing for me was that was a shake moment that was a like okay this is real yeah and 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 while i was really embedded in it and i felt like i was getting messages i would call those messages angel light messages you know 444 yes or you know and i call them hello moments as well yeah you know, like that just that little hi we're here with you yeah yeah and it wasn't really until 2003, I don't think, when I took my first big angel class yeah. that that I just like broke open. I mean, literally this whole thing of, okay, this is all, I always knew it was real, but this was like, no, this is palatably, palatably, <laughs> it's palatable, it's palatably real. It's it's poignant, it's powerful, it's sensational, it's amazing, it's Hogwarts, it's... I couldn't agree more. I just, I mean, it's actually not that long after that that you and I met. I did the no, it wasn't. around the yeah. same time as you, and I remember having that yeah. exact, exact same reaction of I'd had some angel experiences before, but when you are in that setting and you have those experiences... And there are other people like you that make you go, wow, this is like a whole, you know, a whole room full of people like me. There is something so transformative about that on top of the fact that you then have these experiences that are so tangible and loving. And it's it's it forever did change our lives, didn't it? It really did. And it made me you know, as, as I went deeper and deeper into that rabbit hole and it it made me want more than anything to give other people that experience that Mm. I was given. It it just became like the quest. Yes. And I was going to say then, because, you know, fast forward a few years Again, I remember the moment so clearly when you told me, Anna, I'm creating these angel tarot cards. I'm so excited about it. And I was like, wow, these are going to be so amazing. And I was very lucky to be able to see a couple of the pictures of them. And I knew then I was like, wow, these are going to be huge. They're going to change your life. They're going to change so many people's lives. I used them for absolutely years, as you know, well know. And, you know, since then, you've created so many more decks, as well as your brand new deck, Angels and Auras. Do you think that that's also a big part of it? Because cards are such an amazing way for people to have that connection with their angels pretty easily, really, right? I think so. And, and, you know, my very first angel teacher was a wonderful woman named Carla Flack. And I, she was online. She was in an American on America online chat room. That's wow. where I met her. Well, it's like, there was nobody in Knoxville, Tennessee going to teach me. No. And so I found her and she became a teacher to me and she was also into tarot. 
because uh, I, I was like, I didn't know anything about nothing that way. And to me, there's something about cards that not entirely always, but often can help us to shove the ego aside. Because I feel like we put our faith in the cards. The cards are magic. The cards have a connection. Not us. The cards do. And it's very often how I'll end a, a class I've taught on cards to go, by the way, you actually is to end it by saying, by the way, you don't actually need cards. But cards are also fun. And yeah. but but the thing about about it though, I think, is that it's just this way of us getting out of our own way. Yeah, it's it's for us to be able to go. We we have several experiences with the cards that validate the cards as being important. Yes. And because of that, um, we start we start to have confidence in them, even though we're walking around in the world very often still being invalidated in one way or another. And so we don't make the connection. And I also think that, you know, one, I think the thing that I did right or that maybe the world was waiting for was for somebody to take the scary stuff out of tarot, to take the, Agreed. the, 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 Agreed. the heads being lopped off and the blood the pouring everywhere and <laughs> blood flowing everywhere and all of this stuff and cards called death and devil when they don't mean that in the first place. And, but to, to leave it intact, but I just have this personal philosophy that after eons of of reincarnation we're just too sensitive for all that stuff we don't want it we and we don't need it mm. and there are some people who love that and and that's great but there's people like me who don't love it and I don't, don't either <laughs> don't want it and don't need it you can take a bit of gore that is symbolic out of a card and put something that's non-gore back in its place and the card still means the same thing. The deck more recently, but not your recent deck, the Angel Wisdom Tarot, I have used ever since you released that. I think maybe I have a special connection to it because there's my image in there, the six of us. You're in the deck. I am. So I have to say, I feel like it might take a lot for me to not use those cards because I remember saying to you, I can't not use the Angel Wisdom Tower. And you said, just you wait, Anna, you're going to love this one. So I have, obviously. But I really have noticed now that when I maybe see a message online using the traditional tarot or somebody else has a different deck I know exactly the meaning I know what they're talking about I don't feel daunted by it because in my brain it's like oh that's the two of water or that's the three of air and not like oh my gosh the three of swords it's gonna have a horrible image on it and I know because my brain goes oh that's what it means it doesn't mean anything bad no I mean we we translate all the time yeah you know, I have students who still love um, Rider Waite. I prefer to call it Waite Smith because Pamela Coleman Smith was the author, the mm -hmm. artist. But 
people translate all the time in my classes, they'll go, so what card is that? And I'll tell them. And I, even I, you know, I didn't, I never really used Waite Smith. I used something called the Connolly, which was made by a Brit. Oh, there you go. And so for a long time, I was translating in my head because I went from that to, Oh, the Italian. Oh, oh God, I what? know. Marchetti. Um, is it? Mar- yes. Mar- Marchetti? Yes. Oh, my God. Genius man. Yes. Such I remember that's man. when you started to talk to me about the tarot because that's what you always used to use. Yeah. yeah. But such I, a great trans- deck. Such a great right. deck. And, but then I was translating Marchetti to, <laughs> you know, Angel Tarot cards, yeah. you know, and then I, it's, and. Well, it's then funny. since then you've had about, what is it, eight decks or something? 10 <gasps> this is 10 now oh my goodness yeah, absolutely amazing decks and three oracle card decks yeah 10 decks so coming into i know you've probably already got about two or three decks on the go because you always work ahead of yourself but yeah. coming into the moment of the one that's uh just about to come out Angels uh-huh. and auras. What's different about that? Obviously, there's auras included, and you've got a co-author with lovely Dougal Fraser. Um, mm-hmm. Is that more of an oracle deck? It is. It's an oracle deck, but it has a couple of twists and turns in it that I think make it unique. Angels and auras came out of um, a a t- Dougal and I became fast friends very quickly. He he came on as a Hay House author. I reached out to him to welcome him. I guess I was the only person who did, but you know, whatever. Uh, he came on my radio show on Hay House. I went on his radio show on Hay House, and we just started like having these moments where it was like he would say something like, "Well, you know, dark blue means blah 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 blah," and then I would go, "Well, wait a minute, dark blue is Archangel Michael, and it also means blah 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 blah." Yeah, blah, blah. yeah. And so we started noticing all these similarities to make that story not long we just started to like create this concept of angels and auras and that there was a connection and how um, if, if what you needed in your life was life purpose and wisdom and truth and stuff that maybe you needed Archangel Michael. And that might also mean you needed dark blue and your aura. And, and so the deck reflects that Dougal and I are both tarot people. So we made the first 12 cards uh, of the deck, what we call core cards. And so it's almost in a way like a mini major arcana. Nice. Very yeah. nice. I haven't seen it yet. So I'm really looking forward to m- getting my copy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's like a mini like major arcana, these 12 cards where it's just blue Archangel Michael, pink Archangel Jophiel, pale green Archangel Samuel dark green archangel Raphael. Oh, and nice. so it's like just the core. Yeah. Um, and we call them core cards. And then there's the regular Oracle card reader cards that are the rest of the deck. And those are, they, they work like an Oracle card deck mostly, but on every card, there is this bar, this line underneath it that has two colors. It's a color bar. And so for example, it might be white and green. And well, actually, let me just find one that's a real example here. So I was going to say, could you maybe pull a card and see if there's a message for everyone listening? Well, the card I pulled is hilarious, uh, literally and figuratively. 
So this card is called um, See the Humor. <laughs> and so every deck that I have, I put my dogs in. Uh, it's just, it's my thing. And um, and so there's an old painting that people used to laugh at all the time, which was called Dogs Playing Poker. And so Dougal and I wanted to like do a nod to that. And so this is Dougal's dog, Bernie who is giving a reading to my dog, Faith, using my angel wisdom tarot cards. That is so you. Yeah, so it's total Easter egg, right? And the card says, see the humor on it. And so it's like, there's a hum- there's humor in every situation. If you can find it, if you can, and for tarotists, if you can be the queen of air slash queen of swords, if you can find the humor in a situation, then it makes it easier for you to deal with it. And so the card has says levity, perspective, wisdom, and playfulness. And so that's the message of the card. And underneath it is this color bar that's pale green and dark green. And inside the deck, it's Dougal telling you why the colors, if you're having, if you're working with humor or having trouble seeing humor, that you need pale green and dark green and why. Oh, my goodness. You get a real multi-layered approach then. You do. This is also the first deck that I've created that is specifically designed. You can invert or reverse all of my cards if you want to, but this one's designed to be read reversed. And so if the card is reversed, there are words that are now upside right when the card is upside down. Oh, and so wow. It's the- so it's the shadow side of it. And it says serious, perspective, negativity, grumpy. So the cards are really meant to be read upside right, upside down. The back of the cards, you can't tell which way. Oh, yeah. So you're not going to go, oh, my goodness, that's a upside down card. So I'm not going to pick that card. Right. No, you won't know. So, <laughs> um, and you know what? It's like shadow side or inverted cards are not necessarily a bad thing. Mm. They're just giving us information that we need. Well, so it comes it, comes full circle, doesn't it, to the conversation we had right at the beginning, which is why am I feeling this emotion? What's going on? Uh, can I do anything about it? What might I be triggered by? It's exactly right, isn't it? Yep. And every card has some little sign from the angels on it. So you can see that there's a white feather on the table mm-hmm. where Bernie is giving Faith a reading. And um, So gorgeous. They're very gorgeous. And your dogs are, oh, I have to gorgeous. say, yeah, really, really beautiful. And, you know, so if someone, I mean, hopefully, you know, lots of people that know me, know you and vice versa, there's often a crossover here. But if they're listening and they've never, you know, had a deck of cards before or they believe in angels, but they've never really been comfortable, would you say that there is a good way to start using them? Or is this something that you would always recommend for someone who's beginning that journey? Yeah, I mean, it's like, Whenever you're going to go out and pick a deck, I always tell people if if possible, which is not always possible, but if possible, try to go to your local metaphysical bookstore, support them. They very you they usually have all these decks. There's usually one that's open. You can touch the cards, you can see them, you can feel them, and you can like go, oh, is this the deck for me? If you can't, that is the beauty beauty of internet search engines. 
you can say oracle cards or tarot cards and click on images and you'll get to see a bazillion images of the cards you can go to Amazon or whatever bookseller you want to go to and read the reviews so you can see what calls to you. My tarot decks are meant to be oracle card-ish in nature in that you don't have to be a tarot expert to read my cards. They have words on them. You don't have to memorize everything. You can totally use them. But for people who are listening to this today, if you're brand new, you don't and you really want angels. You're, it's like angels and auras is great. And I could push that because it's coming out on October 31st. But rather than do that, I, I'm going to say if if you're really into angels, really want to learn angels and stuff like that, then you might feel more called to angel answer oracle cards, which did just come out in a pocket edition. So now they're little uh, if you want them to be little, because that is a very simple deck to use it's very popular people love it um and if you want to try tarot for the first time you might want to try my guardian angel messages tarot cards uh, because they have an oracle card kind of feel to them even though it's tarot there's guardian angels everywhere it's a really like very gentle imagery as well isn't there it is done by the same artist that did angel wisdom that you love so much which yeah. a lot of people love that deck. That is people. I do. Deck. And I think that I, do you know what? I mean, obviously I might be biased, but I think that you have an incredible way of making something like the tarot really easy and accessible. And whenever I look at a card now, I automatically kind of know the energy of it because I'm so used to reading the words. But I remember when I started using them, it just took that overwhelm completely away because I thought, well, even if I don't really know what the message is, I can start by reading the card going, well, what do I feel from that? What's the image that I get when I look at the card? And then I can allow myself to get out of the way and really tune into the angels. But they are such, I mean, I would recommend them anyway, but as you say, there might be some simpler ways of connecting with the angels. But yeah, do you do you feel like your process now is the same as it was back then? What have you learned since then? I mean, having created 10 decks, there must be so much that you learn. But, you know, why do you love it? I love it because it's a gateway drug to the angels. Um, <laughs> I love it because, um, like you said, and thank you for the compliment, that I really consider it part of my purpose to make spirituality not not scary, but also easy to understand. Um, so I love that. I love the the creative journey of it. You know, it's like I've written three books. And, you know, to be honest with you, books are hard. I don't like writing books. It's hard. It's kind of agony. And, you know, but card decks are not, you know, you got a guidebook. It's supposed to be 14,000 words mine wind up being 22,000 words but let's not upset my <laughs> that's editor that's just you right. though Rad, right <laughs> right well if and if I didn't give so much interest and love to symbolism it wouldn't be that way but for angel wisdom I remember writing my editor and saying just how big can this guidebook be before I get in trouble <laughs> you know but i I just, I do, I do love it. Has my process changed? It probably has. I think that in the beginning, because I did Angel Tarot Cards and it was just a worldwide smash. I mean, it just, and it still is. It's in like 20 languages. It's amazing. And it is. And 
And so then I did Archangel Power and, you know, and I went on to do these other decks and I was pretty paranoid to contradict myself. Yeah. And, and Lee always knew that I was working on a, a deck at a certain process because I would take over the dining room table and I would literally spread out every card, all 78 cards from every deck that I had done. And so, but all of the magicians were stacked together and all the high priestesses were stacked together and all the empresses were stacked together. And so that as I went through and I was creating a new deck, I would think, okay, what do I want the magician to be? And I would do it. And then I'd go look at my old magicians and go, am I contradicting myself? Am I? I completely get that. Yeah, right? I completely like, get that. I would do that. I do that when I've written a post or something. Like, right. have I said like the complete opposite in that page than I've done in the other one? Yeah, I can't imagine. And, and also that, you know, the magician, for example, can only mean certain things. You're not reinventing right. the wheel completely, are you? Well, and after 10 years, I know what magician means. It's it's really, you know, it's like I'm quintuple Sagittarius. And it's like I have a friend who's really in astrology. And he always says, nobody wants to be right more than a Sagittarius. Do you want Sagittarians love to be right? And he's He's right. He's Pisces, but he's right. And, and, you know, it, I think I just was so like nervous that I'd be wrong. I'm about, I haven't done a tarot deck in several years because I went, I took a break from it. I did the Archangel Michael sort of light, I just did Angels and Auras. I just finished my first Angel Affirmation card deck. And, and now I'm about to go back into tarot. And, and so we'll see. We'll see if my process has changed. I don't envision myself feeling the need to lay out everything I've ever done because I feel like I'm clear on it now. Yes. It'll be interesting would- to see. Yeah, and I was going to say that, you know, you go through a lot in your life as well in that time, don't you? And you have a different perspective on things and the lessons you learn in general, I would suppose, kind of reflect the work that you do and the kinds of messages. And also, you know, you've taught a lot of classes since then. You hear what people are really wanting. So maybe your feedback comes from that as well, doesn't it? Right. It does. So awesome. Uh, Rad, I could always talk to you for a long, long time, but I know we have to wrap this up. Um, I've been asking each of my guests this question, and I know it's a, oh, wow. a, I huge, can't wait. a huge question, but I'm, I'm really fascinated to hear what you have to say. Is what What is love to you? What does that mean to you? The, the, literally, the first word that came to my mind was patience. I mean, that was, maybe that's my husband. I don't know. <laughs> But but I patience, I think, and I I think that, you know, I've used this word several times and now I'm going to like stop and go, do I need to teach a class on this? But it's like validation, too, I think is important in letting somebody feel validated and not doing things or saying things that invalidate them, because I think that there's a lot of love in that. And love is a long journey. It is. It is. It's not. It is a marathon, not a sprint. For sure. For sure. 
and that I would say is also true about life. And I think both of them go quite easily together, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rad, for sharing that. I feel like I've known you for such a long time, but every time we speak, I always learn something new. I never feel like we run out of things to say. And, you know, there is always that really great mixture of learning, but also something really profound in that. So thank you so much for for sharing with me. And I'm so excited about your new deck. Um, Before we end, just tell everyone again where they can find it, if they want to find you. Yeah. So if you want to find out more about the deck, go to aaoracle.com. So think of angels and auras, aaoracle.com. And you'll find a bunch of bonuses you get when you order the deck and stuff like that. And you can find me and everything me at rileyvalentine.com. It'll lead you to Facebook and to Instagram. And I'm struggling to try to be something on TikTok and not loving the experience. I know but... I'm I'm not either. I'm on TikTok, but I don't really feel like it's it's my thing. Um, but yes, everyone can find you in those yes. places, and I will make sure that the links are also in the show notes as well for everyone interested. Um, sending you a big hug, Rad. Thank you so uh, much, hug, hug. and mm-hmm. um, we'll speak soon. Okay, much love. Bye. So that's our show for this week. I hope you really enjoyed it. Please stop by AnnaGraceTaylor.com and click on Podcasts, Love and a Cup of Tea, so that you can get more information and listen to other podcasts put together by Anna Grace Taylor. See you next week. You've been listening to The Angel Tarot Show with Radley Valentine. To discover more, visit RadleyValentine.com slash podcast. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.